So, yeah, it's kind of a rolling start. Um, did you have any other questions before we went ahead and, and hopped right in? No. Nope. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, again, it's a rolling start. Um, no, no really intro or anything, but thanks again for, for joining Jeremy. Um, you know, so the listeners can get an idea for your background. Can you give me kind of a high level overview of your experience at home improvement and, um, you know, what you do over three generations? Sure. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah. So I am the third generation in a family business in Northern California. We live in Folsom and, uh, my roots go back. My grandpa started in 1956, um, my dad in the 70s and myself in the early 2000s. So I went to college and realized ah, I'm just going to stick with the family thing. Um, so it definitely unique experience being being the third generation with all of those kind of different eras and decades. Everything was so different. Um, I mean, from my grandpa's era to now, it, there's nothing recognizable about home improvement at all. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. You know, navigating those waters, you know, coming out of college and figuring out how do we uh, kind of do tug of war with the old school versus new school. And I represented the new school. Um, it, it's unique. Um, I think there's not a lot of family businesses, um, especially where we're at. There's this very unique. So I appreciate that. I, I, I know what we have and we're very blessed and fortunate to have a family business. So, uh, you know, it's it's been a great, great ride. Um, and we're, we're on year, I think, 16 and three generations here in Northern California. And then uh, back in Spokane, Washington, where my roots started, there was a business called Owens Western Builders. And that's where our roots kind of started back in the back in the 70s, 80s. So, yeah, yeah. Very cool, man. Um, you know, you you see all these like I've seen movies and, and TV shows of like when the next generation takes over the the family business and it doesn't go as smoothly or as well. What's that pressure of like when, when you are given kind of the reins and you've seen success, your grandfather, your father had success. What, what's that pressure like when you first get it? Yeah. Good question. Um, I didn't really feel a, a lot of pressure, I think, because we're very confident in our abilities and, um, myself included, just uh, do things the right way, and and mm -hmm. the, you know the business will will take care of itself. Um, so I think we've always had that mentality that hey, as long as we know we're doing good work and we're we're proud of it, we hit the pillow with with no regrets, then um, you know the fear kind of goes away. So that's definitely been my experience too. Is there's never really been a fear. Obviously, there's been dips in the economy and stuff that curveballs that come your way. But, um, I think if you build it the right way, you should be able to sustain those things. Yeah. I love that, man. And, you know, talking about you know, building it the right way and you being in the business and seeing how things were run early on, you know, what are some of the qualities that you attribute to that, like continued growth and that easy, um, I guess, um, Passover to you? Yeah. Um, I think the main thing is that there's not a lot of pride, um, I think that that's where a lot of contractors get in and family family businesses get into trouble is that there's a tug of war over who wants to be the boss. And we don't really care. Uh, honestly, I, I typically call my dad, Kurt, the president um, just because he deserves that that title. But he doesn't care and I don't care. So I think that that's a unique perspective that I don't think that's a that's a learned thing. Um, 
I think that we're just kind of born with that. And and my dad was was totally my hero growing up. So um, there's there's a total respect factor, um, both likewise. Like he respects me, I respect him, but we also respect each other's talents. Like we have completely different talents. And I let him do his thing and he lets me do my thing. And um, it, it works. It works. I don't know. <laughs> I it'll work for everybody. Um, and it probably doesn't. But I would say that I would attribute most of that to my dad's leadership. That's awesome, man. It's, it's great to have that kind of role model to look up to. And especially, you know, when you are can still look up to that person and still like kind of help you make decisions and, and steer things the right way. So that that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to dive in a little bit to what you had said earlier, which is like you're you're bringing a new perspective to three generations and, you know, things have been done a certain way for a long time. But I think um, your generation, our generation, there's been more significant changes in a faster amount of time, it feels like. So, you know, what would you say have been some of your biggest um contributions, I guess, to kind of keep the family still going new with this new school kind of attitude? Yeah, I think the main thing I did from the beginning is put all of our resources online. Like we just stopped doing anything print. Honestly, we we just direct mail. We um, even really stopped doing events and shows and things like that. We just put all of our eggs in the online basket. And and honestly, it's just a, it made our life a lot easier um, Yeah, doing home shows and you know, taking off on a Thursday and setting up your booth and then, you know, going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, it's just, it's difficult life, you know, it's tough on a family. And I, I wanted to be with a family and coach and do the things that I I'm passionate about. So we kind of stopped doing those and just said, I just said, Hey, let's just, let's just do this whole internet thing. And mm-hmm. so we put all of our advertising really worked on our website and just have always put our resources there. So I think that's been been our key to success is that, you know, some of the old school tactics and, you know, maybe what we were used to and how we would get a lead is different now. Um, and it continues to be different. So I think the online aspect for, for me has been, you know, luckily we, we chose that route instead of uh, sticking with the old school. Yeah. I mean, that, that jump, man, of like, you know, stopping home shows. And I'm sure if, if you told a lot of owners that they'd probably like give you like a second look, like that's our main lead generator, our primary lead generator, not so much the last year for obvious reasons, but, um, you know, how, how did you come to that decision? Were you seeing success like digitally first, or was it just like, we're going to stop this and we're going to do this? I think a little bit of both. I think selfishly, like I said, I I didn't think it was a sustainable model for us. You know, being a a small family business, we we never had aspirations of being the biggest guy on the block. Um, We always were were wanting to be lean and mean and and family oriented. So I think with that in mind, knowing that we're not going to have staff that we can throw at things like an event um, or home show. I think if people are doing that and it's successful for them, I think typically they're a bigger business. You know, they're they're rarely, you know, a small business because you have to manage all that. You have to, you know, put the booth together. You're doing all of the aspects where if you're a big business, you have a a crew to go put the put the booth up and break it down. And you just you show up a couple hours a day. That's different. So I think, you know, for that aspect, you know, 
so the selfish reason was I didn't want to spend all my weekends doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I saw the writing on the wall with where people were going and my clients were there. So mm. I was really after, Hey, where, where are ideal clients at? And they're online already. They're, they're more advanced than maybe we were at that point. And so we wanted to go find those people instead of, uh, telemarketing. I mean, I, I cut my teeth selling with telemarketing leads and that's rough, man. That's, that's not a warm lead. That's walking in a home going, man, I don't even have the time. They don't even know what you're selling. And yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think that I saw the writing on the wall of my clients were there. Let's just go find them there. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of businesses can, can make a mistake and I I've made the mistake. I'm guilty of it too, of like going where your competitors are and not going where your customers are. And it mm -hmm. leads to this big, like you're, you're kind of flooding a market and there's other opportunities out there. So that's pretty awesome that you saw like the writing on the wall. Um, was it just like customers that you were working with that you were getting leads from that you were like, well, we're getting leads from here. Let's expand a little bit here. Or were you more talking to customers and seeing like, do you even go to these home shows or are you just online all the time? Yeah. Um, I would say talking to, to homeowners was, was a good kind of secret, but we have kind of, we're surrounded by a lot of tech industry. So, you know, we're surrounded by the Bay area. So there's a lot of influence there. Um, so I think that was part of it was seeing them online already and seeing what their habits were, were, were different than us. Um, but excuse me, turn the phone off there. Um, <laughs> You're good. So yeah, I think that, yeah, interviewing them, asking them, Hey, why did you choose us? Where did you find us? I think that was something that I've always done is, when I get the lead, I always find out where they found us exactly, you know, not just online, where online. Mm. And then really kind of navigating that and, and kind of pivoting our, our marketing that way. So um, I think a lot of people struggle with where they find leads and tracking it. We track every single lead we get. So we know cost per lead, cost per sale, um, you know, so we know, hey, this isn't working. Let's switch it up. Let's put our eggs in a different basket. Again, yeah. online basket. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely where our clients are, um, we found they were online and we were like, okay, well, I guess we need to figure this out and learn about it a little bit. And then that's when home advisor and all these things were coming at us and we're like, oh crap, I guess we're not the only ones feeling this way. Um, mm -hmm. now we have actual vendors that are, that are trying to get leads for us as well. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, you get that like juicy lead in and like, you kind of get tunnel vision sometimes of like, all right, I want to close this right now and not worry about anything else. But you can learn so much more from each lead that comes in, even the ones you don't close. I'm sure they'd be open to, you know, conversation of why they didn't choose your business and still where they came from, things like that. So yeah. that's pretty interesting, man. Um, you know, I want to hone in on something that you mentioned, which was, you know, as a small company and you like to stay fast and agile. And I think we were talking the other day and you had mentioned that, um, you keep the team very close knit and it's the very, it's the family atmosphere. Right. And I think you mentioned that you had like your best friends are, are kind of working in the business with you. Yep. When it comes to making that decision of, let's say a company is going to scale up. Um, maybe they were where you were, you know, when you first got the reins before you hired people, what was the, the reason for that decision <clears throat> instead of going like, you know, full bore throwing yourself onto like Craigslist or wherever you want to hire, you know, contractors at, 
Um, talk a little bit about that versus, you know, hiring internally from, from your own network. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's a common pitfall for a lot of contractors and businesses in general, but you know, a lot of contractors don't come from a, a business savvy community. A lot of times you, you form a business because it's easier. I want to work for myself and I don't want to work for that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily come at it from a, a high level business mind, you know, not even college or, you know, it's just like, Hey, I'm going to just start this thing on my own. And I think the pitfall you fall in is that you want to go get the big warehouse and the showroom and you want to, you want to look big and you want to, it's, it feels better. I guess. I don't know. You, you open up that shop and you feel like this pride factor when you enter in, like this is mine. And I think that that mentality gets in people in a lot of trouble. I, I mm. saw a lot of it happen in the downturn of the economy and they had this giant showroom and they had to lay people off. And before you know it, they're, you know, losing their business. So mm. we always wanted to be lean because of, of, not having that pride involved, but also um, we have that family story that it, we wanted to keep intact. Like we didn't want to have a sales guy, you know, walking in a, a home without any story to tell about us, uh, the family, how they got there, all that stuff. So I think that was a, the main reason that we had, didn't want to like go hire a random sales guy is the first sales guy we hired was my best friend, Logan from high school. And he's been with us ever since. And his role continues to expand and, you know, I hope that he can fill my shoes one day and step in what I'm doing. So it's really, it's a unique situation, but I think the bottom line is uh, I'm a control freak. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't want to, you know, give the reins to, to anybody. And um, as a salesman, we're not a sales organization. We, we don't go in and sell on the home. So for us um, that whole thing is the family story. And if, if it's, some random person that doesn't have the the story to tell. I don't, I don't think that's going to hold up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned that you're, you're a salesman, but you don't go on the, the home and sell. You, you rely a lot on that story. Um, you know, it's, I call it an epidemic in the industry, but it's the one call close mentality that you see everywhere. Um, and it was probably a leftover from the early days when, you know, people were moving door to door, selling vacuums or something. I don't know. It could, sure. be, it could be any reason. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, but, you know, it's very interesting. You've transitioned. And I don't know if this was something that you did early on in the business at Three Generations, but, you know, transitioning to that relationship building model and that brand driven model of, of sales. Um, talk a little bit about how that transition came about and how that became like your primary sales process. Yeah, I would say pretty early on, um, you know, I think it's just my own experience of in-home sales. Like I just, I never liked it in my home. Um, I was never comfortable with someone trying to do that to me. I never mm-hmm. liked car salesmen. No offense if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast about construction. Um, <laughs> that It just never gave me a feeling of confidence that, uh, in that person. It always felt like, you know, I was trying to be sold and so we kind of went into more of a we're, we're consultant role for them. Like we just feel like there's enough business for everybody. And we felt like, hey, you know, this this is our best foot forward. This is our very professional proposal that we typically email to people. Um, we're not going to sell on the home. And, and it, we we have complicated projects now, too. Our, our siding and window and decking projects are not something easy to just sketch out and be like, OK, you know, here's eighty five thousand dollars that we're guessing is going to be the price. 
Um, I think we wanted to more accurately figure out the job, um, be more fair in our pricing so that we make sure we're making a fair margin. It's fair mm -hmm. for everybody. And I think when you, when you do it on the home, you're typically guessing high. And then, you know, if it's not working out, you start whittling your way down until you get into like, okay. Um, so I think for me, it started with, I didn't like it when people did it to me. And I mm -hmm. figured, hey, I don't think clients probably like that either. And so then you can really on the phone, you can say, hey, we don't, you know, we're not a sales organization. We're not going to even give you a price when we're in the home. We're going to take it back and we're going to figure it. And then we're, we're going to email it to you and, and hopefully meet back up with you and things like that. But yeah, I think... I think that's the old school way that we transitioned to the new school way. And I think it's, it's paid off really well. We, we have like a cancellation maybe once every five years and mm -hmm. it's usually not something to do with us. It's usually like, Hey, my finances didn't figure out. Um, so that, that makes you feel good. I mean, if you're selling in the home, one call close, you probably will have a handful of cancellations a month. Yeah. Um, because there's that buyer's remorse. That's that three day, right. Where they're like, well, honey, honey, we got to cancel this <laughs> 80 grand last night. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we wanted to avoid that. We want, we didn't want the uh, buyer's remorse. Yeah. And I think you mentioned the other day, like it also reduces the stress and therefore is less of a hassle, like on your onsite team, whenever you are completing the project, because the, the customer can go to you and directly and say, Hey, Jeremy, like, What's up? I'm like, why is this happening? Or, you know, something along those lines. Is that something you've encountered? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I think we invite the homeowner communication during the project. So we want to flush in, out any problems that are, arise in the in the selling process, but also the, the production process. Um, that is why we are present on the job site. We want to make sure that that job goes smoothly. Um, we don't mm -hmm. want to just hand it to the install team and hope that it all goes well. We want to be present. We want to be there the day one. We want to line it all up. And then typically we want to show up at least every couple of days or so. And we work, we're checking in constantly because I think a lot of homeowners, they, they don't, they're not real open with their communication. So they stew about it. You know, if something's not going right, they'll just sit on it for two, three days. And then before you know it, you see them again and they're, they're fired up and you're like, what happened? <laughs> so <laughs> you got to kind of flush all of those things out from, like I said, from the beginning to the end to make sure that you're taking care of their, their questions. And a lot of times the questions are just because they don't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're expecting them to know about all this remodeling thing and, and this is their first experience. So yeah, yeah doing our best to flush that out, I think is, is really key as opposed to waiting till the end and go pick up a check and then, you know, see an angry customer, you know, and then a bad review. Yeah. Yeah. Which I want to get into in, in like my next question. But before that, I, I think you mentioned last time, you know, communicating with, with customers is, is the big thing and removing those barriers of communication. And I think you mentioned that you had implemented texting in your business, you know, to, to talk to homeowners. Um, is that something that was like born from that, like, we just need to be able to connect with the customer in any channel. And is, if so, is that like something you've seen success with? Yeah, I think what we've tried to do is find out what their preferred contact method is, even when we get the lead. Mm. Um, so even on our website, on the forum, we even added that, like, what do, what do you, how do you prefer we communicate with you? Um, and there's a lot more people who are wanting text now, obviously than ever before. So 
I mean, I think there's a tendency for contractors to like want to call and like, we need to get this lead and we need to like, but sometimes they don't want to call and you'll find that people don't pick up the phone anyway. So um, why not just meet them where they are? And so we found that a lot of customers prefer texting and I think they prefer it during the production as well, because then it's an easy, you know, they're on the couch, like, Hey, you know, what time's the crew going to be here tomorrow? Or, you know, our porta potty still on site, you know, things like little things like that, that really don't need a call. Um, it's just a quick text and we're, we're able to get back to them quickly and really solve that, that question or that, you know, whatever, whatever comes up during the project. But yeah, I'm, we're finding, I don't know, probably half now want to want to be texted. Whereas five years ago, that was a very small percentage. And it's strange. Yeah. I mean, even, even baby boomer age, they're preferring text and you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that, but they just, they're used to it now too, I guess. Yeah. Even using emojis. It's crazy. <laughs> Not always the right way, but they're using <laughs> yeah, That's right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Like my two favorite stats are, you know, I think MIT Sloan put it out recently that like 97% of consumers these days, like don't answer phone calls from unknown numbers or from businesses. Compared to like 98% of people open and read texts all day. It's, it's, it's crazy how things are shifting. And like, especially now is like millennials become the number one, like home buyer and they're needing improvements on houses. And speaking as a millennial, I would much rather text a business than, than call it. it it's crazy to see that, that dichotomy shift, I guess, um, yes. over time. We're seeing it as well. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I want to dive a little bit into the, you had mentioned, you know, reviews. And this was something that we talked about last time, which I thought was super interesting, which was like referrals were more important 10 years ago. Reviews are more important today. Yeah. And that's super controversial. <laughs> I would love to, you know, yeah, I don't know that I, I don't know that that's a common, I mean, I, I think that I still stand by that because I think what we're seeing is homeowners, even five, 10 years ago, they would go up to a neighbor and talk to them about their project. Someone even knock on the door um, and say, Hey, who did it? You know, what did you do? You mind if I walk around like all our, all sorts of like very personal things. Nowadays people are more, they're inside their house and they're less likely to go ask. They're less like, likely to do any of the things that we thought were normal back in the day. So now what they do, even if, even if their neighbor two doors down did a siding project with us, they're still going to go online and look up the company. They're not going to just take that job site sign or that warm lead over there and run with it. Mm -hmm. They're going to do their own diligence first and then they'll, they might call us. Um, so I think even from that, from the lead standpoint, all the way through the sale. Now, again, they go right to the internet to find testimonials, reviews, those are as powerful as referrals because they just don't trust. They don't even necessarily trust a family member with a referral. They still want to do their own research. And I think it's partly we're conditioned that way. I mean, we do it for restaurants. We do it for almost everything we do now. And I think contractors are right, right in that boat. In fact, I think they're more valuable because it really gives you an idea of a company. Um, not only the good reviews, but the bad reviews like, yeah, you got to have them, right? This is construction. Things are going to go wrong. How does that company handle it when the chips are down? You know, when you break a pipe, when you, when something doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, how does that company handle it? Do you, do you see them dig their heels in 
and get mad and you see the pride in the in the response um like i'm right you know or do <laughs> yeah. you see them do it like you know i'll reach out to you again do you see them continue to try to make it right um i think that's I, if for me i go right to the negative reviews and find out hey what kind of metal they got yeah yeah have you seen the um the news article that came out i think earlier this week with the uh the roofing company in Washington that's suing a couple for $112,000 because they left two negative reviews on their uh, Google uh, business page. <laughs> I, I also heard of a business. I'm not, I don't even know the business name that now that you can review homeowners or like you can oh, okay. put like them on a blacklist of like, don't work with this person. I mean, it's, yeah, it's strange. I mean, I guess they can do it to, to us, but I mean, yeah, I've I've heard that. I've heard the suing. I've never understood that whole aspect. Uh, I, there's there's no way we're ever going to go to that level. I mean, it's just there's no no point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's crazy. So I think personally, I think Yelp has been kind of a struggle for local businesses, right? Because the people that are most likely to leave a bad review. Or the, the people that are most likely to re leave a review are the ones that had a bad experience and they just want to have an outlet or whatever. So it's very interesting that you're able to ch like charge homeowners to help get positive reviews. Are, are you just following up after every project and just saying, can you leave a review or are you like emailing a link or how, how's that in process? Yeah, I would say um, we had struggled with that. That's one, one thing that we struggled with is we would follow up you know, via email with like a list of all of our links and hey, if you don't please review us. We found that it's really hard, like just like anything, you know, homeowners, like, like you said, they're, they're less likely to, to, to leave that, that really good review unless we really wow them. I mean, you have to really do well. And I think in person, you have to ask in person, you have to, you know, face to face is always better than email. If you could say, Hey, if you please review us, it really means a lot for a small business. It goes a lot longer than an email, mm -hmm. but shout out to uh, our our recent web developer, Ramblin Jackson, they're out of Colorado and they have a drip system for getting testimonials and reviews. And so yeah. it is a, you put the client in, it shoots an email to them with the links. And then if they don't follow up in a few days, they'll send it again and again. So it's not bombarding them, but it's taking it off you and like your plate. There's no way you can manage that on your own. So I think a system like that has been really valuable for us because then you're not having to manage it yourself. Um, so I think that's, it's a must, I think, right yeah. now is having some sort of a, a drip system for, for getting those reviews. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, shameless plug, but like uh, my company Hatch, like we do the drips through texting, which has been kind of a game changer for a lot of businesses. Oh. Um, but you're right, man. Like just that automated touch, dropping reviews every once in a while, um, where it's hands off is a game changer for a lot of businesses that a lot of people aren't really thinking about. So that's really interesting. Jeremy, I know we're running against time, but one thing I really want to talk about is um, U.S. construction zone. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really cool idea. Um, I can't explain it as well as you. So can you give me kind of your overall vision for U.S. construction zone and, and kind of how you came up with this idea? Yeah, sure. It's been kind of a side hustle for me for the last two, three years. And um Basically, it's just spawned from talking with a lot of peers in our industry about not being able to connect. Mm -hmm. And um, what we found as a construction industry in general is that we all have a lot of trade organizations. You know, there's a trade organization for everything in, in construction, you know, from 
electrical, the plumbing, the siding, the windows, like everyone has their own thing, but they don't have a way to connect it. You know, you can go to that annual conference maybe, but for the most part, the connection piece is missing. And so that's really kind of where the idea spawned is that we want to, we want to be able to connect executives, management level CEOs nationwide um, to do together. And mm -hmm. so we're going to do that through us construction zone and we're going to allow them to connect and, and view the content based on their trades. So I'm not, I'm not seeing things that I don't want to see. And I'm able to, to see, um, ask questions nationwide, you know, give answers nationwide to my peers. And so it's really more high level stuff, you know, stuff that we're talking about today. That's mm -hmm. the exact kind of conversations I want to have online. Um, and, and so I, it, it's, it's been exciting. It's going to roll out here in the next month or so. So, you know, you're, probably see emails and things in the magazines and stuff like that. And um, so we're, we're really excited about it, but really is just a connection tool, a networking tool for executives in the construction industry. And we're hoping to find a lot of people like, like you and me and, and people that, that care about the industry, uh, but not only care about the industry, but want to give back. So we really mm -hmm. want a, a heavy charity component. We want a, a type of person that wants to, to help a, a fellow contractor in need. That's who we're looking for. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So if listeners want to learn more, um, is there anywhere they can sign up, you know, to, to get these email blasts and things like that? Yeah. So usconstructionzone.com is the website and, uh, pretty soon we're going to hit, hit a launch button and it'll be a contest. So it'll be a, you know, referral email contest. So, um, yeah, be looking out for, you can just sign up there for information and then we'll, we'll send you emails as, as we roll it out. But yeah, hopefully in about a month or so it'll go live and, um, and who knows, right. What happens after that? So. <laughs> That's right. Well, awesome, Jeremy. So I've got one last question I'd like to ask every guest and it's super vague on purpose and, um, take your time if you need to think about it, but, um, what's the number one piece of advice you would give to anyone in the home improvement industry right now? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say it's, I brought it up. I probably use this, this term maybe five times in this podcast is uh, put your pride aside. Mm. I think that um, one thing that I love about people in the construction is that we have a lot of pride. We get to build something, see it come to fruition, take a picture of it, watch people be happy there's a lot of pride that, that's involved with that process and as well, it should be, you're doing a great thing, the thing that's heavily needed in this, this nation right now. But I think that in that process, we, with that pride is that it gets in the way of, of dealing with client relations and it could be a homeowner. It could be anybody. It can be a sub. It can be whatever you relationship you you're encountering is that, that pride gets in the way and you know, you're right. And maybe you are right. But the way you communicate from then on out, it can be rough. And I've seen so many of that, those relationships just go the wrong way because there's like a pride battle and someone's right, someone's wrong, but then there's this giant battle. And then you get into that. I'm suing you, you know, like it just, <laughs> it goes down crazy, crazy areas where you just got to put it aside and, take a step back, maybe even take a break from it. Don't respond, wait 24 hours, talk as a team about it. Hey, how do we respond to this? And you'll have different approaches. But for me, I'm always like, Hey dude, let's just redo that, that side of the house. 
what? Uh, let's just redo it. I mean, honestly, I'd rather just redo it. They're happy. Sure, we eat a couple thousand bucks, but um, what what's our end goal here? What are we trying to do? Because if we go down that rabbit hole, then you know we could be doing this two months down the road. And mm-hmm. that my, my energy, your energy is put into that. We're not selling. We're we're just spending time on that. So I would say swallow that pride. And it's not always easy to do, but I would say that's my number one. That's awesome, man. And I, I want to reference something you said earlier in the podcast too, when it comes to that, which is like, you know, you do what you can to, you know, so you can, your head can hit the pillow at night and, and not be stressed out, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's huge. I think there's a lot of stress involved in any, any profession, but I think for, for us, it's that, you know, if you feel like you didn't do something the right way, maybe you felt like you cut a corner or, you know, you lied to a homeowner or whatever it may be, you're not going to sleep as well. And mm-hmm. then your stress, you know, is, is ramped up and then your health is, is affected. So it, there's a, it, it's a domino effect. So I think for sure, I think it in life, right. If you can hit your head, if you hit your pillow, not drunk, if you just hit your pillow, normally, <laughs> <laughs> then, <Weekends> uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I think it's, it's always going to be better for your life and, and for your relationships, your family, everything. So. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, that's why I love that question. It's just spur of the moment, spontaneity, and like some of the best stuff comes out. And that's one of the best answers I've ever heard. So I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. So Jeremy, that's all the questions I had. Thanks so much again for joining today, man. Um, there's been, you know, some really good stuff in here and I can't wait to, you know, share this with, with viewers. Um, in the meantime, if viewers want to learn more, um, or connect with you, um, is there anywhere they can go? Um, I know you mentioned us construction zone, but is there anywhere, uh, uh, any other outlets? Yeah. I mean, I would probably say, um, I'm not awesome with social media, but I would say LinkedIn, um, under Jeremy Owens is probably the best place to catch me. Um, but yeah, I'm not huge on, on the other ones I'm trying, but I'm just not very good at it. So I would say LinkedIn is the best way. Awesome, man. Got to build the founder brand. Got to be posting LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah. You're soon to be founder. It's awesome, man. (laughs) I appreciate appreciate the conversation the good questions. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Great, man. That was awesome. Um, cool. So just in terms of next steps, we will, um, I'll take this, I'm going to edit it, get everything done. And then I think next week we'll post this next Thursday. Um, I'll send it out to our mailing list of like seven or 8,000 and then post on social media. Be sure back to give you backlinks and all that sort of stuff. Right on. I appreciate it, man. Cool, man. I I really appreciate you coming on. This has been, you know, really insightful and I, I appreciate the time. Thank you, man. Have a good day. Cool. You too. See you, Jeremy.